Amen. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Philippians this morning. Open your Bibles to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And we are in the eighth verse, verse number eight, but we are in the B part to that verse. You say, what's the B part? Well, last week I did the A part. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right. That would be the A part to the verse. Now we're going to continue with whatever is pure, and that's the B part to the verse, okay? All right, but what I want to do is I want to read contextually, just for those of you who are just joining us, I want to read contextually. So I want to I want to read from verse four so that you can catch up with us. Okay, we're going to read from verse four contextually. Remember what we're learning in Bible. Remember what we learn in Bible study. Whenever you read a passage, you want to read it what contextually so you can get the context of the passage before you actually interpret the passage. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's get ready here. Philippians chapter uh, chapter four, verse four says, rejoice in the Lord always. <clears throat> Excuse me. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Look what he says. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and what? Minds in Christ Jesus. I'll deal with that next week. Finally, brethren, finally, brethren, after he had said all he had said, he said what? Whatever is what? True. Whatever is honorable. Whatever is right. Whatever is what? Pure. Whatever is lovely. Whatever is good of good repute, if there's any excellence and anything worthy of praise, look what he says. He says what? Dwell, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen. Notice, learned, received, heard, and seen. He says, you're using all your senses. In me, he says what? Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I want to talk about this morning how to break the cycle of negative thinking. I want to talk about how to break the cycle. Oh, come on, help me somebody. How to break the cycle we talked about what negative, what to focus on last week. Today, I want to talk about how to break the cycle of negative thinking. Amen. How to break the cycle of negativity. Our mind is bigger than our brain, <laughs> if you don't know that. It's more than just matter, our mind. Amen. Our minds can interact with the visible and the invisible reality. When we believe something, it's not just professing something. 
as the right answer, but it's knowing that things, things as reality and that are actually true. The heart. So you have the mind, you have the brain, you have the heart. The heart or the will or the spirit works off the mind. I'm going to say it one more time. The heart works off the mind. Jesus says in the book of Mark, he says that, he says, he says, what you think in your heart comes out in your behavior. Amen. It comes out in your mind. Amen. We access our heart through our minds. So whatever's in your heart, saints, can affect the way you think. What you think about anything at any given time is first, it's your first freedom. It's a freedom. Because at any time we can choose to think on whatever we want to think on and experience the effects of that thought. If, for instance, if we choose to think negative, then that's the effects of that thought. What, do, what you consume your mind with can have an effect on the way you think, on the way you live, the way you talk, the way you speak. The mind is a powerful thing. And if we're not cautious, we can get stuck in what I call a pattern of thinking. Where do negative thoughts come from? First of all, I just told you, it comes from where? The heart. It comes from what the heart has been affected by. Last week I told you, if we're gonna, if we're gonna, uh, part of the solution, part of the solution last week, we're gonna overcome negative thinking. We have to focus on where you fellowship, who you hang around with, because that can affect you. I told you that whenever you're thinking, you have to think on focus on the facts, focus on your feelings, and then follow. Focus on following God's word. I told you that if you're not, if you if you take these four things or these four prescriptions that God has that God has given us through His Word, Amen. You can begin to change the way that you think. Do I have anybody here this morning who really want to break the cycle? Amen. The cycle of negative thinking. Well, today we're going to talk about breaking the cycle. Amen. We're going to talk about breaking the cycle. Last week, I told you that Paul here is writing to this church at Philippi. He's writing to them and he reminds them of a few things. He reminds them that if you back up to chapter three, amen, he reminds them that they are citizens of heaven. I'm trying to help you today to help you to understand I'm talking about the mind of the believer. For the unbeliever, this will make no sense, but, but I want to go one verse up to chapter three. If you have your Bible, just, just, just go right back up to verse, uh, well, let's go to verse 17. He says, brethren, join in following my example and observe, watch this, those who walk to the pattern you have in us. Look at verse 18. He says, for many walk of whom I often told you and now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of what? The cross. You see, that's why I told you last week 
that if you're going to change the way you think, you have to pay attention to who you're fellowshipping with. But Paul was saying to these believers, like, pay attention to who you imitate. Pay attention to who you have fellowship with because it affects the way you think. Amen. Verse 18, he says, for many walk, watch this, of whom I often told you and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross. Verse 19, whose end is destruction. Watch this now. Whose God is their what? Appetite and whose glory is their shame. Look at the last part of verse 19. Who set their minds on what? Earthly things. Saints, I want to tell you, Paul contextually is laying out a prescription for us to break the cycle. He says the, that God is what? Their God is their appetite. Watch this. And watch this. They set their minds on earthly things. See, if we're just thinking earthly all the time, you know what thinking earthly means? That you're not concerned about anything, watch this, that God has in this life for you. In other words, your mind is so earthly minded that that, that it's, it overpowers the spiritual. You're, you're not thinking spiritual all the time as we should. Are you with me? And so the spiritual can affect the earthly, but he says that their minds are so captivated by the earth. You want to know why a lot of us are stressed out, why many of us are in a negative phase of life or we view things from a negative position? Because our minds is set on earthly things. Watch verse 20. He says, for our citizenship is in heaven. So if my citizenship is in heaven, but my mind is here on earth, hello, somebody, then definitely I'm going to look at life from a very negative perspective. Take, for instance, this morning. Woke up this morning, and everything that you could imagine that could happen to distract and deter and stop us from being effective this morning has happened behind the scenes. Now, what the enemy wants us to do now is not to get over what has happened, but to keep our minds fixed on the negativity that happened this morning so that we cannot be effective for the rest of the day, right? So Paul is saying, listen, I got to understand that if I'm going to break this cycle, there's five things I want to give you today. Amen. He says that your citizenship is in heaven, that, that, that not only that your citizenship is in heaven, but, but we're waiting for Jesus Christ, that, that, that we are of good courage. And then in chapter four, verse one, he says, therefore, my beloved, whom I long to see with the joy and the crown in this way, stand firm in the Lord. Then he talks about the rift, the, 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 dis, the discord that was going on between Utica, Utica and Syntyche. He says, I want them to live together in harmony. He says, I want them because they shared in my struggle. I want them to understand that their lives, amen, is an example to the world. Now, he talked about those whose minds are fixed on the things of this earth, but then Paul goes on to talk about, in verse 8, he talks about the whatevers. I told you last week 
that these whatevers are what we call in the Greek a definite article. It serves to emphasize in some way the person or thing that's being modified. These six objects of thought are important if we're going to break the cycle of negativity. The cycle can stop. Amen. And, and you, can, you can change the way you think. That no matter what the devil may throw your way day to day, if you, what I, one thing I know about, one thing I've learned from experience with Satan, if you stay consistent in the word and if you stay consistent with the prescription, he will leave you alone. Now he's going to come back, but he's going to leave you alone. <laughs> Amen. And so, and so what Paul gives us now, he says, finally, after he has spoken to them about, you know, about those who have that earthly mind, those who are citizens of heaven, those who are to live in harmony, he says, and I told you last week, he says, focus on those things that are true. Focus on those things that are honorable. Amen. Focus on those things that are right. Amen. But now he says, Whatever is what? Pure. Whatever is what? Pure. So you say, how do I break the cycle, pastor? How do I break the cycle of negative thinking? First thing you have to do in this prescription is think about, ready? He says, whatever things are pure, think about daily, ready for this? Consecration. Think about what? Daily consecration. In other words, that word pure means free from defilement. It means holy. It means sacred. It means to purify yourself. What Paul is reminding them again of is the doctrine of separation. See, we've been called to be set apart. I've been saying this the whole series about separation. But saints, if we only think consecration on Sunday and we don't think about consecration on Monday through Friday, you say, well, pastor, I hear what you're saying. Amen. Christ purchased us with his blood. And not only did he purchase us with his blood, but he purchased us and then he set us apart as holy. Are you with me? positionally we're holy, amen, and watch this, Christ now wants us to live a consecrated life. This means making a conscious, conscious, willing decision to dedicate your soul, your mind, your heart, and your body to God. I'm going to say it one more time. It's making a conscious effort and a conscious decision that you're going to dedicate your soul, your mind, your heart, and your body to God. In other words, I can't give God some and then give the world the other. This decision must be made, watch this, from your will, from your intellect, and from your affection. Only you can make this decision. See, in the world, the world is full of filth, sexual filth, moral filth, and spiritual filth. 
and we come in and out of the world, watch it now, watch this now, and it's easy for us to gravitate towards that filth because our body is still under what? Under the curse. And so what I believe that we must try to do when we come back from in the world, <clears throat> from out of the world, is to practice what I call daily consecration. Daily consecration means that I'm aware of my life in Christ and also my commitment to live for him. When you come in from the world, you must find a place. Come on, somebody. Go to your prayer closet. Walk in your house and say, God, I give my heart and my life back to you. I know, God, I've been out in this world. But see, here's the thing, saints. If you don't think pure, if you don't dwell on those things that are pure, it will affect the way you live. And sometimes as believers, we get caught up and we stop. Watch this. We're not thinking on the things that are pure because we've been interacting with the world and the world can zap you of all your spiritual vitality. Are you with, you, with me? And not only that, but and your purity. Now watch this. Let me just talk, touch on this purity thing. Watch, listen. When I say think about daily consecration, I'm talking about think about what you're watching on TV. Think about what you're listening to as far as music. Think about what you're reading. If those things, watch it, they will follow you from the world into your home and it will mess up your thinking. Are you with me? He says, whatever things are pure, let me get on. Whatever is what? Lovely. Whatever is what? Lovely. So the next thing I want you to do, if you're going to break this cycle is, think about your decision, amen, to Christ-like living. Whatever is what? Lovely. Whatever is acceptable. Whatever is pleasant. I often ask myself a question. Do I or am I living a Christ-like life? Paul again is saying that we need an example of what you want to become. Now he says that if you're going to have the mind of Christ, you have to think on those things that are lovely. Those things that reflect Christ. To be a Christ-like people, we have, we must have our minds, or we do have the mind of Christ, but we have to follow Christ's example. This is vital to our ability to respond to the negative things that happens in our lives. So I want you to think about Christ-like living. Am I living like Christ? Or am I living like the world? When negative circumstances come, you, your way then becomes, watch this, your way becomes, I respond the way I live. Oh, I wish I had somebody. Watch this. Some of us, we wonder why we haven't broken the cycle yet because we're still living in a negative context. And we've allowed this context to continue on in our lives and we're not living Christ-like we're living like everybody else, but we're not living like Christ. Listen, I want to encourage you today that you become Christ-like by, watch this, applying his word, the filling of the Holy Spirit, 
and then worship. Christ lives in you and gives you a new outlook on life. He says, whatever things are lovely. But here's the next thing he says. He says, whatever things of good repute. Now, this word repute or report means news. Watch this now. It means news. Watch this. It means rumors. And it means lies. See, a negative mind will gravitate towards rumors. A negative mind will gravitate towards lies. A negative mind will gravitate towards bad news before good news. So I want you to think about daily consecration. Think about your decision to Christ-like living. But the next thing I want you to do is to think about what consumes your thinking. May I ask you a question? Is it good news or is it bad news? Now watch this. Here's what I'm saying. Paul says that good news does not mean that you won't hear bad news. But when you do encounter bad news, because you are thinking about what's consuming you or what's consuming your thinking, and because you are consecrated and because you are Christ-like, here's what's going to happen. What's going to happen is when you get bad news, you can still see the good news in the bad news. Are you with me? You see, here's the thing. He says that when you think on things, watch this now. Watch me now. Watch me now. Amen. You got to watch this. I'm not just trying to give you something that you can't apply, but I want you to think about it. Think about it for a minute. What consumes you? What consumes your thinking when you get up? What, what do you pay attention to the most? What draws you in when somebody said, good, I got the T on this, or I, or I got the, yeah, or, or is it rumors that draw you in? Is it lies that draw you in? Or is it the truth that draws you in? You see, it is in our sin nature. Let me help you with something. And, 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 and I know y'all are sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. I know all that. I know y'all can flip and flap and do a lot of different things in your spiritual life, but I want to share something with you. It is in our sin nature to want to concentrate on the negative. Tell your neighbor, break that cycle. Break that cycle. God has given us the word, the spirit, amen, so that we can concentrate on good news. We can look bad news in the eye and say, even though, it may be bad now, brighter days are coming. Better days are coming. I may be down, but I'm going to get up again. Do I have anybody? And if, watch this, if it's not lovely, if it's not brotherly, and if it's not good news, give it limited time in your mind. Ask yourself this question. What do you consume your what do you concentrate on so much, come on somebody, that it causes you to always say the negative things about that circumstance? God didn't give you that. As a matter of fact, the Bible says God did not give you a spirit of fear, 
but of power, love, and what? And what? Power, love, and a sound mind. So if he's giving me power, love, and a sound mind, why do I always think negative? You see, if I'm, if I'm consecrated, if I'm Christ-like, oh, if I watch what consumes my thinking, then what's the next point? Look what he says next. He says, whatever's lovely, whatever's of good repute, and if, watch this, and if there's any excellence. Now, let me tell you what this word excellence has to do with. I looked at this and people think you got to be careful how you interpret scripture. The word excellent may make you think, well, you know what? I got to do things with excellence. See, I can perform. I can act excellent, but this has nothing to do with acting excellent. This has nothing to do with excellence as far as getting something done. The excellence that he's talking about here, you ready for this? It's moral excellence. Oh, I wish I had somebody. It's what? It's moral excellence. And moral excellence, when neglected, watch this, it messes with your character. So the next thing you have to think about, if you're going to break the cycle, think about developing, write this down, developing your Christian character. Moral excellence means the pursuit of the moral will of God in every area of your life. It includes your values. He says, he says think on, the, if there's anything excellent, think about developing your character. Listen, there are areas of your character with God that you have not developed yet. He says, he says, if there's anything excellent, it includes your values. It, it, watch this. It includes your attitudes. Watch this. It includes your priorities. Moral excellence means it includes your goals. It includes your purpose. It includes your devotion. It includes Christ-likeness. It it, it includes character in the home, character at the office, character at church, as well as character in your hobbies, in entertainment. So moral virtue is something that should be characterized in the Christian's life in every area. Most Christians stay the same because they neglect excellence in their moral character. Do I have anybody? And in other words, because they don't change their character, it causes them to repeat the cycle of negativity. We focus on Christ. We live, watch this, live like Christ. Watch this. We're going to church, but we're still lying. We're still stealing. We're still envying. We're still talking down. We're, st we're still thinking the worst. You ever, you, ever, you ever experienced that? Now, as an immature Christian, it, it happens a lot. But as a mature Christian, if it's still happening, then there's still some areas in your character that needs to be developed. So I want you to think about consecration. Think about Christ-like living. Think about what consumes your thinking. Think about what? character, Christian character development, okay? I'm not talking to the unbeliever here. I'm talking to who? I'm talking 
to the believer here. Amen. The next thing he says, he says, whatever things are what? Excellent. He says, and whatever things are what? And if, and, and sorry, and he says, he says, and if there's anything worthy of what? Anything worthy of what? Worthy of what? Praise. He says, do what? Anything worthy of praise, he says, dwell on these things. So what is he saying? What is Paul saying? Paul says, now I gave you the list. Whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's good of repute, excellence, and now worthy of praise. Don't give everything your time, y'all. And don't give everything your praise. I think the problem is we're praising the wrong things. My last point, amen, is this. Think about denying thoughts that contribute to negativity. Denying those thoughts. If it's not praiseworthy, if it's not worthy of your praise, if it's not worthy of giving God glory, get it out your mind. Get rid of it. Why? Because those thoughts don't glorify God. Those thoughts don't concentrate on the negativity because that does not glorify God. If it does not bring glory to God, then it's not worth our time to think about it. Applying these principles in this prescription, watch this, will cause you to break the cycle of negativity. The story is told of a man who goes to another friend's house for a Sunday morning visit. And when the friend opens the door, he sees that there's a fresh wound on his friend's face. When the friend inquires about the wounds, the man confesses that he got too drunk last night, amen, that he couldn't remember what happened. He said, but while intoxicated, he said, you do remember this, uh, while, while intoxicated, the phone rang. When the phone rang, he reached for what he thought was the phone and held it to his face, to his ear, but instead of picking up the phone, he picked up a hot iron and he burnt his face. The friend said, oh man, I'm so sorry that, that happened to you, man. He said, he said, he said but what, what happened after? He said, well, uh, after he said, but I understand what happened there, but what happened to the other side? He said, well, the man asked, he said, after I hung up the phone, the fool called back again. <laughs> and, and that, and he answered again, you see, so many of us have been burnt more than once <laughs> by something we said we would not repeat. Amen. But if we don't break the cycle of negativity, we will keep getting burned. I hope you got the point. The point is, amen, that if you didn't learn from the first time, amen, you may learn the second time. But the results are this. God wants us to break this cycle. He doesn't want us walking around kumbaya, you know, that we're just this positive people. But he wants you to deal with the negativity that comes your way. But he also wants you to understand that if you are consecrating yourself, if you are 
living Christ-like, if you are developing your Christian character, if you're not consumed by the things of this world, and if you are paying attention to what you concentrate on the most, you can be delivered, amen, and break this cycle of negativity. That's my encouragement for you today. I pray that God would bless you. I pray that this word will, that was imparted in you <clears throat> will transform your living. Because let me say this to you, saints. We need, practi we need practical things, amen, in our lives that will help us, amen, to overcome some of the negative things that we encounter. Next week, Along with negativity, I'm talking about breaking the cycle of worry. Because worry contributes to our negativity. I'm going to go back to the same passage, and we're going to deal with it again. Amen. But if you're here today, and you're on here today, and you say, Pastor, I heard the word today. Amen. I heard the word today. Amen. I, 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 I need to break the cycle.